State of the Save is back with part two of our dishonored discussion. We are back. It's, it's been a while. It feels like anytime we don't have a foul corrupted, it feels like a lifetime since we last talked. But I'm here with my uh, my normal co-host, Michael. How you doing, Michael? I'm good. I'm dressed up in a mask and a, a black robe, uh, feeling stealthy. So. I, I'm a little concerned when I walked in. I didn't know that we were doing that. <laughs> um, Halloween was yesterday, Michael. I don't know if you know. Um, but, well, I mean, whatever makes you ha- live your truth. We're, we're pulling back the shade of when we record these things. <laughs> yeah, yes, that you now like, realize that, oh, man, they recorded this two days ago. There's no planet involved at all. <laughs> no. Um, no, Halloween was yesterday, so we'll pass the spooky season. But uh, that just means that now we can talk about this game that really wasn't that spooky, but filled with... Uh, existential dread and all those fun things it's kind of odd of me in a way there's yeah, it had its like little like atmospheric moments but it wasn't a spooky game usually we yeah. do a spooky game for halloween but uh you say usually but we only done one spooky game for halloween so far yeah but it was it set a precedent <laughs> don't be don't be questioning the logic here i always question uh, the logic <laughs> no but it's good to be back uh yeah. no foul corrupted last week due to some personal issues in my on my end, but uh, hopefully those all straightened out, so maybe we can get back to a normal schedule. Um, but I'm excited to talk about part two of Dishonored. Part one was kind of uh, one of the best games that we've talked about so far in part one. Part two uh, has a lot of interesting conversations that we're going to have today. Yeah, it. We'll we'll get into it. Yeah, as we go on. But. but it's 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 definitely going to be. Um, it it took some different turns that I didn't see coming. But before we get into our Dishonored talk, like always, let's talk about some other video games we've been playing. Yes. Um, Michael, you got some games you want to talk about. I do. Last time I talked about how my copy of Metroid Dread was going to get here. Well, it got here. <laughs> and I spent all week playing Metroid Dread. And uh, that's a video game. You're the official Metroid Dread expert now. I, I guess so. Um, Ask me anything about Metroid Dread. What was the budget on Metroid Dread? I don't know. See? Oh, you're not in that <laughs> Okay, fine. Uh, Mercury Steam did a, did a good job. Okay, okay. All, all those people deserve credit. I won't get into that. No. But anyway. <laughs> oh, no, let's actually, let's talk about it in a legit way, not me yeah. trying to mess with you. Um, <laughs> I am excited about Metroid Dread. I plan on playing it very soon, as soon as I get some time. You should, and I will tell you why. Um, tell me why. The, first thing, first thing first. Okay. Metroid Dread was... I was kind of surprised at some of the discourse around it when it came out. Um, I read a bunch of different, just kind of, um, not reviews necessarily, because I did not want to see any, like, spoilers or anything like that. But Smart. Mo- but more like uh, general general opinions okay. on the game. And some people seem to be uh, a little bit confused on how it was on the design side. They were uh, saying it was kind of obtuse with how it gave out information. Um, and one thing that for me, as someone who's played Metroid games in the past, and I've not played every single one, but I've played a pretty decent amount of them. Metroid's always been kind of obtuse. You are going to shoot walls. Yeah. You are going to bomb everything. You are going to look at the environment in ways that you would not normally look at in other games. I will, I will frame the whole thing like this from its story 
and its design philosophy, this is a sequel to Metroid Fusion. This is the direct continuation of Metroid Fusion, both from a gameplay standpoint and from a story perspective. And I'll say Metroid Fusion is my favorite Metroid. Metroid Fusion is an amazing game. It's an amazing game. It came out in the Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. Um... I'm more, really. a, I'm more of a zero mission guy, but yeah. No, I, yeah. I think I think if you like fusion, you're probably gonna like zero mission too. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, I think that's kind of like the pinnacle in my mind of this style of Metroid. Now, like that's taking like the prime games out of that conversation. The prime games are in their own like yeah subcategory exactly. of games. But um, I have I've regrettably never finished a prime game, which I want to do at yeah, some point. Yeah, we might here. do that for this show. Maybe sometime. yeah. Um, I. When I was seeing that, that was really kind of off-putting, and we actually had a conversation as we were waiting for the movie Dune to start uh, about a person uh, who David Jaffe was complaining about some stuff. But, like, I want to know, now that you've, you finished the game. Oh, I finished the game. Yes. Um, is it obtuse because it's a Metroid game, or is it obtuse because it's designed, it's got some design flaws? This is the best designed Metroid game. Okay, that's opposite of what I thought you were going to say, but that, that's this good to hear. This might be my favorite Metroid game. Okay. Because there is... Uh, Game Maker's Toolkit just released a video on like the design aspects of Metroid Dread. I don't recommend watching it until after you finish the game. Because it, it kind of pulls back the curtain on like a lot of like how the game like adapts to where you are. And there is no... Uh, objective indicator like there was in fusion or zero mission because uh those were made for a lot more portable play so it'd be like uh you get around to this zone or something well but it's not quite like super metroid in that it just throws you in and says figure it out okay let's talk about that for a second because yeah. i just actually played a bunch of super metroid if you remember i talked about that maybe about a couple months ago mm -hmm. that i got into playing some super metroid and, um, yeah, that game does not give you any indication of where you need to be. It does not give you any, any indication of what necessarily what power-ups you need to find to continue to progress. Um, but then you talk about Fusion. Fusion, being a, a portable game, kind of ran off the assumption you were playing it in short bursts. Now, if you were like me, you did not play Fusion in short bursts. <laughs> but, um, but you know, so giving up objective Marco and something like that made sense. You, you wanted to keep things moving a little bit, so each time you picked it up, you made some form of progress. But kind of walk me through why this is, in your mind, the best design, best Metroid. Like Because it gives you, and it tricks you into thinking that you could go anywhere making the world seem like it's much uh more labyrinthian than initially seems because the way it subtly guides you is something that like blew my mind when i saw it for example you get a power up and uh you think that that you think opens up the map more but there are changes to the environment that happen that kind of, instead of locking you into the entire map like Super Metroid does, where you're kind of going through room to room, it'll kind of lock you in a relatively, like, small area in comparison to the rest of the map. So you're like, okay, what I'm, how I'm looking for, the object I'm looking for to help me progress is in this area. So it kind of lets you, you feel like you've spent, you really honed in and discovered 
something when the game was kind of like pushing you along without you realizing it. And because of that, I really liked it. This is a much, this is definitely the fastest paced Metroid game in terms of like how fast you're getting items, how fast you're like uh, doing with enemies. Samus moves fantastic. The movement. Right when I started playing, I'm like, oh, this game feels great. It's like when you pick up like Cuphead for the first time and go, everything is as precise as it should be. And because of that, the boss fights in this game are... These are my favorite series of boss fights I've played in a long time. This boss ensemble is wonderful. It requires a lot of memorization and like figuring out like patterns and uh, execution of like chaining like a lot of your movement abilities together and when you pull it off it just feels so satisfying to the point where I literally every boss fight I literally just scream yes every single time I finished one I feel like if you hit the nail on the head with your your movement and your precision of gameplay you can really go wild with your bosses absolutely because you talk about cuphead if the game does everything that your brain says it should do, so you jump and you move how your brain says it does, and there's no disconnect between those two, you can ramp up the difficulty without it being frustrating. Because you don't feel like you're failing because you're unable to perform an action because your brain says you should be able to. You feel like you're failing because you just didn't do it the way you, you should have, or you didn't learn the pattern. It gives you a clear progression in how you need to get better. Exactly. Um, absolutely this and what you talked about about sectioning off it i think that's a very interesting thing because as someone who's played super metroid not long ago super metroid doesn't do that you sometimes have to go all the way back to where the like you land in your ship to progress to the next area it just leaves open anywhere you've been as a potential spot to solve a problem if it's sectioning it off what it does is it basically sounds like it's giving you the feeling of being quote-unquote lost but kind of also being like the guiding hand that's saying like you're lost, but you're only lost in four rooms exactly. instead of being yes. lost in 30 rooms. So it gives you by that kind of logic, because it's a smaller play field, you should be able to solve your problem faster than if you were left open to your own devices in 30 or 40 rooms. It gives you that feeling a lot more of, oh crap, where do I go? But you figure it out a lot faster. Versus the few times I got lost in Super Metroid was like a two-hour ordeal of bombing walls. and. Oh, I can tell you, um, I fell off of it. I played probably four to five hours. Mm -hmm. And um, I had played it before, so some things kind of came into my memory and I was able to be like, you know, you ever have those moments when you play a game you played a while ago where you're just you're remembering it, but you're not actually like remembering it beat by beat. Exactly. You just yeah. kind of like I feel like I should go to this door, and then you oh that's the right door because you did it twenty years ago or whatever. Um, but I hit one of those points where it's like two hours of me just not knowing exactly where I needed to be or what power up I was missing. If you if it's sectioning you off and giving you a smaller playing field. I feel like it's kind of a part of Metroid to have those big, okay, I've got to power up, what do I do with it kind of moments. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would lose some of that that flavor that the, the series has if you take that away. This is the, this was actually a good companion piece to a game I played earlier this year, Axiom Verge 2. Because Axiom Verge 2 had a lot less emphasis on combat. Like, all the bosses were optional. 
but the world was expansive and it was about getting lost and figuring out where to go. It was a, the world was a giant puzzle to figure out. This is the exact opposite. This game is about fast-paced combat and occasionally getting lost, but then moving on to the next thing. To the point where, like, a lot of the big things is the persistent enemies in this game. And the reason why I believe this game was cancelled early in development when it was going to be a DS game, the Emmys, which are robot hunters that are sectioned off into small areas of the map. But when you're in that area, they are constantly hunting you down. So it's like small, um, like, remember the SAX in Metroid Fusion, those small scripted encounters? Yes. It's like having those, but unscripted. Like having little rooms where, like, Mr. X could be in one of these rooms. It's the, in Metroid Fusion, that was like, um, you would run into those sections, like, you just randomly walk down a hallway, and then you would run into that sequence. It was, it was like the T-1000 moment. Exactly. I gotta get out of here. I can't It was unbeatable. None of your powers that you would have had at that moment can damage it. Um, you always started off when you first ran into him shooting whatever was new at him. <laughs> you know, if you had the freeze beam, that I'm God. Okay, that doesn't work. You, um, you do have like a Dark Souls like parry in this game that always feels uh, great to use. The timing on it's a little forgiving in a way that's actually great. Except for the only time it's unforgiving is when the Emmy encounters, because every time it cr- snatches you, you will have. Probably I landed this counter like 1 in 20 times. It is frame perfect. But when you hit that counter, you just feel like the ultimate badass. And didn't like parry them, slide through their legs, and get out of there. I feel like I feel like the unbeatable enemy, the Mr. X, the um, Regenerator from Dead Space, the, you know, any of those kind of characters, it walks such a fine line between being a intense gameplay moment and frustrating they pace it out interesting like they pace it out well enough to where i wasn't bored with those encounters like as you do more of them the faster they seem to go like the areas are like smaller and more contained and feel more like scripted sequences as opposed to i imagine also you've mastered the mechanics more at that point and i have a lot more mobility options like once you get the space jump you can kind of just go uh Float up room to room, SA Space Jump, it's, it's every Metroid game. Yeah. But alert, Samus loses her powers and you gotta get him back. What a surprise. <laughs> um, last question. Yes. What about the baby? They're talking the about Metroids th- are extinct at the beginning of. Remember at the end of Fusion, there's no more Metroids. So they just completely like fuck, fuck him, Other M. <laughs> other M can go oh, to hell. He, even from. Uh, uh, one more thing I'll touch on. This, philosophy-wise, this is very much like the antithesis of Other M. Samus says one line in this game. And she, and uh, you know when like an object, like she, like, a, I'm fumbling my words here, but like, just, she's so stoic. Like when she sees a boss fight, she's charging her beam right away. And then it, in the cutscene, she hits the boss. So it shows you, this is the weak point, Samus hit her here in the uh, cutscene. So right away, and this does some really good close-up of the visor of her eyes, and she just looks angry, like give, giving the Doom guy a run for the money of how done with this she, with how done with this she is. 
Don't like first it all, is. <laughs> be careful when you bring in my my sacred doom guy. She does a really she does a she's still it for the most part, but when like she's pissed, she gets a she does a really good angry scream. That you're just like yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I I almost wish um uh BFG division was playing right here. <laughs> <laughs> I would that. You could probably play this game with the doom soundtrack. It would fit. Perfectly. I just want that in all games. <laughs> like um, Mario 64, Doom soundtrack. Yeah, Doom soundtrack to Mario 64. Fuck that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, no, Samus is a character that in your head, because she's been like a silent protagonist for so long before Elder M and things like that, she was always in your head a badass. And then that was like the biggest crime of Other M is like, what the fuck did you pull this from? <laughs> that you're like, this is the characterization of this character? But I am glad that we're just going to pretend like that didn't that didn't happen, and that we're just going to move on. Um, Metroid Dread seems like something that's right up my alley. I look forward to playing. You it. will love this game. Yeah, I'm going to try to play it by the end of the year, so maybe we can talk about it on Game of the Year. I want to say originally the rumors were that they were originally they originally pitched a remake to Fusion, and then Nintendo was like, just make a sequel. Which I'm fine with. Yeah. Yo, as here's, somebody, some, here's some design docs for a game we never finished. Go crazy. As somebody who loves Metroid Fusion, I'd much rather have a game inspired by Metroid Fusion, but that is a new game. That, well, this is this is a yeah, game. Yeah, this, yo, that's what I would much rather want than just a remake. I'm excited to flip that art book now that I finished the game, because I was flipping through and got like... A piece of something, like an environment I haven't seen yet, is like, oh, gotta close this for right now. Yeah, <laughs> and one thing you talked about, uh, Game Maker's Toolkit, he is a very great YouTube channel, but I do suggest if he's doing a deep dive into something, not to watch it until you finish it. He doesn't do any story spoilers, but he does like a breakdown of like how the mechanics work. It's like op- o- opening up like the machine and seeing how everything functions. He did a way. really well done version of like how Mr. X walks, um, mm. and you you kind of want to experience that game without knowing how that all works. It kind of takes away the, the magic. mystery. Yeah, yeah, it takes away the magic. It's it's like watching the behind the scenes of a ride at Disney World, right? Like, you go and see it, and you're like, uh, oh, man, the Haunted Mansion, look at all this cool stuff. And then you watch the behind the scenes thing afterwards, and you get to learn how they do it. Oh, it's projectors. You oh. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do that before you ride the ride. It's still cool, but it's in a different way. You can appreciate yeah. it less from a in context point of view and appreciate from what they were able to pull off in the design point yeah. of view but definitely uh, i would i would say if you're going to play this put that in your watch later and come back to it later um you also wanted to talk about another game from nintendo i spent way too much money <laughs> what did you buy uh okay that's could be just the name of this show that <laughs> <laughs> could be what we just call this show we spend too much money <laughs> <laughs> okay so um Nintendo rolled out their incredibly, terribly priced premium online service for the, uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Which the price is, is actually, like, I was going to get this day and date, then I saw the price, and I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm glad you took the bullet. I took the bullet. But, I it made... <sighs> But in a way that made sense for me to take yes. the book. Let me explain. You justified it to me. We <laughs> talked about this before. You justified it. And All after right. you justified it, I said, okay, this makes sense. So I got the online service day and date, which was September. And I had it just re-up every single September. With the online, with this new premium online service dropping in October, I was pro-rated and got a discount. So instead of paying $50, I paid $30. But also, 
Animal Crossing DLC is bundled with this online service. DLC that's $25 that I was going to buy anyway. Because I, I didn't talk about it on the show, but the, that Animal Crossing update and the DLC they're doing looks amazing. So I mean, Animal Crossing is a game that I think you and your family comes back to frequently. Yes. That's so true. it makes sense that that would be something you would get. Me, me and my wife watch a K.K. Slider concert every Saturday. Yeah. So like it make when you explained that to me, I said, "Well, you're getting it really for the Animal Crossing DLC. The other stuff next is just year, a bonus." Next year, me is furious that so he has to pay fifty dollars. Next year, you doesn't have to do that. Nintendo doesn't put a gun to your head. But then I'll lose access to the Animal Crossing DLC. That's the thing. Uh, that's the bullshit. That, that, yeah, that, right? So, that's the bullshit. So next year, me is fuming right now. But this but this year, me, 2021 me, is thinking, ooh, Friday is when the, the coffee shop opens in my museum. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's uh, be, I mean, the Animal Crossing DLC is its thing. Yeah. But let's talk about the other big selling point, which was the Nintendo 64 release. Yes. Um, uh, right away, people online were very angry with the quality of the emulation. I watched some video breakdowns of it, and it's not as bad as it sounds on paper. If you are not looking for it, you won't notice. Except for one game, but I'll get to that. Which is something that's very common in the emulation ward. But because, at the same time, uh, if you're paying for this, is not if they just put put this on as like a ten dollar premium, not thirty dollar premium, yeah. an online service, it leaves yourself open to a lot more skepticism because you are charging a premium price for it. Everyone expects a premium experience. You, when you also when you're pitching it as something that is premium, yeah, I expect to be getting something as close to the original release as possible. Um, also, I've talked about, and we talked about this when we were talking about it off mic, I have a little bit of lack of faith in Nintendo now and their ability to support these kind of things because of like the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, uh, where Still I Still waiting for a film. Still well, waiting for There's <laughs> just so many, what I call like solid base hits of games that just should be on there that they've yet to do so. And then we continue to get these very obscure weird game and you talk games about, that like, i'm even like what is this well the games, and i'm the guy who likes the weird offshoot that yeah, no one cares about but i feel like before you I, i'm all for weird offshoot games but i feel like you have to get all of the the staples in there first and then you go weird and i feel like with the nintendo 64 i'm worried that this is going to be the close to the staples that we're going to get and then we're going to maybe get a bunch of weird offshoots but here's the, but they've already teased a bunch of there's two things to that they already teased some of the games coming down the line which are a lot big here's the thing the nintendo 60 library nintendo 64 library is very small so the only thing they can grab really is the really good games that you remember from the nintendo 64 because there's only a handful of them anyway problem is a lot of those also not nintendo releases but here's the thing some of the because i know a lot of the big ones are tied by rare but Banjo Kazooie is confirmed to be coming to this service, which means they already they're already shaking hands with the with the rare deal. So do you get maybe Perfect Dark? I imagine you would get Perfect Dark. Um, I don't think you would get Goldeneye. We talked about that because of the James Bond license. If anyone can have the money to uh, put it up, it's Nintendo. If the, if the premium price pays for Goldeneye, this might be like, okay, I see what you I, did here. I would, especially if you could have online multiplayer for Goldeneye. Oh, my 
God. Oh, mm. um, as somebody, Perfect Dark would be a good consolation prize for that. But uh, it's I've played through Perfect Dark maybe two years ago. Okay. And you you forget Perfect Dark is a very of the time game. Yep. And yes. I think people kind of... It's a miracle it can be put on the Nintendo 64. Yes. It feels like it's busting at the seams yes. every time you play it. Uh, it's worth playing, especially if you like shooters. Like, you want to see kind of like the the history of first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. But it's also not a game necessarily that, like, if I told you right now, like, we're going to go back in time and play all the, the great first-person shooters of the past 30 years, I'm probably going to skip Perfect Dark. You th- you'd say... Play GoldenEye because this is kind of the foundation for exactly. all of console first-person shooters. And then skip the Halo 1. And be like, they, it took what GoldenEye did and actually made it better. Uh, it made better it and something more that's accessible. Be, it made it a standard. Yes. Because GoldenEye plays like GoldenEye. You don't play a bunch of other first-person shooters that play well like GoldenEye. Halo made first-person shooters on console a standard process how that works how that controls how Mm. that feels um how is the movement speed compared to like a pc shooter but we'll get in that's off topic okay but talk about these in 64 releases so the uh emulation for the most part is there the problem is in two factors one the nintendo 64 games had a lot of fog the emulator they're using does fog reduction and you might think oh less fog so it's but the fog was there as kind of hiding a lot of the um, pop-in and the the texture load-in that kind of happens. So when you're playing Chaco Mountain on Mario Kart 64, you can kind of see the road forming like in the far distance. But again, if you didn't know that was there, you probably wouldn't notice. The big thing that is suffering because of it is Ocarina of Time. Because Ocarina of Time uses that fog as not like um, hiding the environment. It uses it to enhance the environment in that like it is a mood setter. And because of that, the mood changes to Ocarina of Time in a lot of ways, it's... including there was a scene going around of a one of the eeriest scenes in like the water temple, the uh, mini boss room where, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a very, very old game. I think you can reference that one. Yeah, it's the mini boss room where you fight Dark Link. And yeah. it's the room that's just in the water temple is the room with the oasis and the single tree in the middle of it which i imagine and that fog sets up that scene it gives you a yes. vibe it also and- hides the water texture so the water texture upscale is all of a sudden this nintendo 64 water texture and there's no fog like drenching the scene so and because you think, of that, you it's one of those things if you didn't know it was there you wouldn't care but this is a mm. product targeted towards people who are going to know yeah like i don't think a lot of people who started playing video games in the past 10 years are most likely going to be like oh crap i'm gonna go back and play ocarina of time like maybe but not a lot of them a lot of people who are really into video games who've been playing video games for a long time who probably played ocarina of time on the nintendo 64 are the ones who are going to get this service want to look at that and they're the ones who are going to be the most critical of like, well, this looks really bad. This looks worse than it did on the Nintendo 64. Why? And then they'll go down the rabbit hole of discovering that reasoning. It is a lot more clear. And because of that, you do see a lot of the flaws of it. Because this just seems to be running through all the same emulator. 
which you're going to have issues game per game in that regard. But the other big factor is Ocarina of Time has some input lag. Which, <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. So I mean, maybe a little bit. I haven't noticed it with any other game. Uh, I haven't even, I haven't popped in Ocarina of Time. I was just looking through other people's videos. But to see like a delay when you hit A versus when Link actually does his backflip is take some getting used to. Speedrunner, speedrunners will be, be the one who complain about everything and they'll go back and play it on original hardware on their CRTs to maximize frame data. But, but I would say this though. Even if you're not like breaking it down that in depth, mm-hmm. you're going to probably notice. And be like, "Ooh, you're just." And a lot of people, we talk about this a lot with like, well, the average person doesn't pick up on this, mm-hmm. but the average person might pick up. This just doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I told exactly. you a lot. That's, of, that's the that's the main sticking point where I'm like, "Mmm, that's not." Yeah, and it's not a and like. Let's also bring up the fact that Ocarina of Time is one of the big staples of this release. And of one of the reasons you would want to get this. Ocarina of Time, one of my favorite games ever made. Exactly. Love that game. So it's like, if you got some rough emulation on that, people are going to freak out. I'm not incur- I don't. I'm like, maybe I'll wait before I dive into that to see if they patch it. And that's one of my favorite games of all time. But at the same time, it's because I'm diving into games I haven't played before. Like, I played and beat Star Fox 64. Congratulations, I guess. It's a it's a two-hour game. So it's really like short, and I finished that in basically one sitting. Star Fox 64 is great. And there's like alternate paths depending on like which mission paths you do. So yeah. I've only so even though I beat the game, quote unquote, I've only done like a third of the missions possible. So yeah, Star Fox sixty four, great game, and one that I'm glad I can finally play because of this service. I mean, I don't want to hate on it too much because I'm I'm a fan of getting older games out and playable, and the fact that you can play it online. But at the same time, you need to play online with people who are just as bad with their money as I am. So. <laughs> Which, apparently, on my friends list is no one else. Yeah. So, I'm like, who wants to play Mario Kart 64? Anyone? Anyone? I, Rainbow Road? Anyone? 1v1 me? I I just... My only thing is, like I said, I'm a fan of getting older games out and playable. I don't like things being stuck behind. Gotta go find the old hardware. You know, I want to get... I want stuff out there so people can play. As someone who hooked up hard, old hardware today to play our next game... That's a chore. Yeah. That is a chore no. to do. <laughs> yeah, it should be easy to get, especially in the way things are so digital now. Yeah. I'm just a little bit concerned that Nintendo has not given me a ton of... Reason. Reason to, to sign up for this. And then with the price tag it is, my my need for justification goes up a lot higher. If this was a $10 service... Yeah. I'm probably going to go ahead and... 30 extra bucks for a year is way too much. Yes, for what it is. Um, and you know I can just wait and see how it goes, and hopefully they fix a lot of this stuff and it gets a lot better. But I have a feeling that a lot of people at Nintendo are like, "Well, it's out there now," and are not exactly understanding I'm, why people might not be satisfied with it. I'm hoping I'm the exception who got it because I would like to see them have to actually pad this out and make it a service worthwhile. But it's already gonna be worthwhile for me for two reasons: one, because the Animal Crossing DLC, and two, because they confirmed F Zero X. Is coming to the service, so I I will bring up F Zero every chance I get. That is Nintendo's best franchise, and they need to do something with it. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm done. You got anything else you want to talk no, about? No, that's that's it. All right, I've been a little long on the. Um, I'll probably be real quick. The only thing I've been playing is Dusk. Uh, Dusk is a game I fiddled around with. I was playing it under some weird circumstances, so it uh, was recently released for the Nintendo Switch. 
And the Nintendo Switch, to me, is a pretty solid retro shooter console. Uh, primarily because... Not a good modern shooter console. It's not a good modern shooter at all. And I'm a little bit more forgiving with how it control how it's sticks control with a retro shooter compared to like a modern shooter. Like if I'm playing Apex Legends, I'm not gonna play that on Switch. But you know, Dusk plays it is a retro style shooter. Um, it is so much more though. Um, it is not. You know, I talk about games like Project Warlock, which I'm a big fan of. Um, games like Iron Iron Fury. Um, those games are great. Dusk is is someone who has just went above and beyond in what they needed to create here. This game is heavily influenced by games like Blood. If you've ever played Blood, it's very, very good. It's a build engine game. It's very, very solid. Um, it's got some Quake in it. Just like each mission, just a shit ton of secrets to find. And they're clever secrets, so more than just, you know, tap on walls until a visible, you go through one. Like, they've got some thought put behind them. The um, All the combat is just insane. Some of the, I walked out into, I'm in the uh, second episode of this, and um, there's a sequence in which I come out into this military base, and I'm being attacked by what looks like 50 cultists throwing fireballs from like four level buildings and so it just it it ramps up difficulty extremely well they do a moody environment there's a particular map that starts off in episode one that's just a church on the hill and it just sets like a tone and a mood that is so well done in what is done in a very chunky kind of quake style looking graphics i watched a video on this game when episode one came out is the whole thing i guess if it's on switch now the whole thing thing, is finished it's holding is finished um episode one was it was released kind of in that old school shooter renaissance Renaissance style way um i would say even episode one doesn't even show its hand it does a great job of hiding its hand um when i first i had heard a lot of it just due to some of the channels i follow um civi 11 on youtube people like that who talk about retro shooters a lot and I knew it was a big deal. Um, I got through that first episode, and I was like, man, this is really damn good. You know, I, uh, Secrets are good. Weapons are good. Right when the second episode kicks, you realize, you know, it's just it's a lot more than even what it shows. It's a lot more than just a, a homage to blood. Um, it has some of the, the best music I've heard in a long time. We talked about the Mick Gordon soundtrack from Doom a second ago. Mm-hmm. This is a headphones-ass soundtrack yeah you wear your dad headphone it even tells you at the beginning it's like headphones are suggested and that is very i believe it was created by only three people that sounds um, right yeah but it is a damn good shooter retro shooter you don't have to be like a fan of retro shooters to enjoy this um because it's so much more than just playing off nostalgia you know like a game like iron fury it's playing off of your love of games like Duke Nukem and like Shadow Warrior and all those those build games. Yeah, this is something that you don't have to be like super invested in that scene to fully grasp. Yeah, and but it does also reference a shit ton of stuff. All the cultists say things like heretic, and you know just say blood, and they reference other <laughs> they reference other, um, you know. Uh, other shooters from the past. Doom. Wink, None of wink, that nudge, nudge. necessarily. 
Um, but you know, it's got like you know plenty of circle shape and uh, circle strafe and bosses. Uh, yeah, as, as, exactly yeah, what you would want. What you want, but then you know, it, it's just such a solid game. It's so hard to talk about and so easy to like pitch once you get your hands on it. It's twenty bucks. Okay. On Steam, on Switch, which is I think the perfect retro shooter price tag, um, because. Like I said, I'm not undercutting at all any of the work these guys put into it, but I think it's hard to pitch a it's retro a game, shooter. It's a game that does one thing, but it does it incredibly well. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to pitch a retro shooter right beside a price tag of a Halo or something. That's fair. But 20 bucks, I think you're more likely to kind of get people in the door, and then once they start, it's like I said, it's just a damn solid game. They don't make... With this retro shooter renaissance thing that's happened, and it's going to crash eventually. I think you're already seeing it. There's just too many of them, and there's too many of them that are not. There was a while there with a lot of these retro shooters coming out. They were just like hit after hit after hit after hit. You know, you got Project Warlock, Dusk, Iron Fury. Um, what's that medieval one? Uh, shit. There was like three or four other ones that just left my head. And it was like, man, this is never going to die. <laughs> but now you're already starting to see like a lot of middle-of-the-road, uninspired versions coming out. And what and missing what made those those kind of retro shooters important. Feels like they're chasing a trend more than like doing exactly. a passion project thing. You, you, you pick up something like Dusk or you pick up something like Project Warlock. One, they're created by small teams. In Project Warlock's case, it's created by one dude. Um... You know, they just, you can tell someone loved this and wanted to recreate the feeling of those games. Mm -hmm. And then you see some of these new ones that are coming out, and there's a lot of like, I feel like somebody thinks there's a lot of money in this now. And it's cheap and it's quick to make. Gotcha. And so I feel like the bubble is going to burst any day now. We still have Project Warlock 2 coming out, so fuck, as long as I get that, I don't give a shit. (laughs) But, um,. This Dusk is great. I'm glad it's finally on console. Um, definitely worth a try. 20 bucks is a steal. Um, and uh, Limited Run Games also has a, a version, I think it's $30 for the disc. But okay. uh, f- very fucking good video game. Um, and one of, it, it's one of those, like, it's one of the few, like, I play a lot of those retro shooters, and I just don't bring them on this show because I feel like it's, unless you're super into that scene, you probably don't care, but Dusk is something that I think crosses over. That it just is so damn good. Anybody can I can suggest it. That make a good file corrupted of talking about like the best one of those. Oh, I, 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 pitch, yeah. I pitched that to uh, formal guests on the show, Zach, many many times that we should just do a retro shooter episode where yeah. I just talk about this whole scene. Um, but I think Dusk is something special. Definitely pick it up. Moody as hell and a great fucking soundtrack. Um, speaking of Moody. Speaking of good games. Speaking of good games. I think it's time for us to talk about our uh, game, new game. This uh, game we'll talk about. Our, our, our current game. Our current game, Dishonored. We're breaking the flow a little bit. Yeah. Time to announce the next game before we talk about the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this should be real confusing. <laughs> um, structure. Dishonored Part 2. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and set the steam where we were. Set the scene. Uh, when we last left off, we had just completed our mission in which we had um, kidnapped, I guess, 
Yeah, more or less. Um, the bro- bro- broke into his lab, hit him with a sleep dart, and just carried him away. Carried on him a away. Boat. Uh, Professor, what's his name? Sokolov. Sokolov. You, you should know it because it's the same uh, name as the scientist from Metal Gear Solid 3. That is... If, if you need a Russian name, apparently Sokolov. Sokolov, Makarov, Ovi. <laughs> Ivan. If you want Russian, there's like five names you pick. If you're a non, Vladimir. If you're a non-Russian studio, <laughs> maybe if you're a Russian Nicolaj. studio, maybe if you're a Russian studio, it's the same. I don't know. Um, I like the pitch that like all like Russian-made video games should just have like their main characters be named John and Mark <laughs> and like really generic American names. Um, no, we had just uh, kidnapped Sokolov, and we are kind of setting the scene for our final preparations in continuing to take down the high overseers um insurrection you're you're still knocking over those dominoes yeah but we're getting towards the end here um and the big thing we now need to do and our next objective is to take out where the money's coming from basically Mm -hmm. he has a unnamed financial backer um and we'll kind of Setting up our next assassination target, which is one of these three sisters that are hosting a party. And this is one of my favorite missions in this section. It, it, it's my favorite mission in this entire game. There's only one like, other mission that gives it a run to have money for me. But I think it's very much higher yeah, up there. Because everything it does from like the setup and everything is like... This is the one part of this game where it feels like you're pulling off a heist. Almost. Well, it's also the, the one part of the game when you feel like you're doing... It's Hitman. It's, I think, it's Hitman level. Yeah, you even I think you had put that in the Discord. It's like this is just Hitman because you're you're doing stealth in plain sight. You're bl- you're kind of bl- you're blending in exactly. But even before we get to that, like this pub section and everything beforehand that kind of frames this whole thing is like probably the most expansive. It's um a pub section in this. You game you part. have some moments with Emily, where this is kind of your first time that you can kind of. Talk to her, see how she's doing. Not not well. Not well at all. You Trou- know. A lot of trouble sleeping, and Castilla is uh, watching over her. Yeah, she's kind of teaching her and being her kind of uh, caretaker while this is all going on. Um, Everyone's logs have updated by this point, too, so you can kind of go around. See kind of have like people like Pendleton and things like that are, are feeling about things. I like Piero just ranting that we brought Sokolov back because that's like his main like yeah. rival. He's just like, I wrote this down. Sokolov is a genius because he knows how to pamper to the aristocracy. Well, <laughs> just like it's the it's the Edison-Tesla relationship. It really is. But like, Sokolov <laughs> is the one who was able to get his ideas in front of the right people. And, and at least like, the way I was playing this game, it paid off fantastically at the end of this game i played me. this game in a very specific way i try i told you like last time i was playing this game very much trying to be in the character i wanted to play as gotcha so like you know corvo in my game does kill people but he does not he's not a psychopath he's not killing people left and right but i try to follow a a a tarn with corvo and i'll talk about it as we get through Ooh. Um, I tried to. I did some. As, some, things, as the kids there, call it, there, the role if play. You're, if, you're, if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do a heel turn, there's a great moment in this game that frames that. Oh, I did a hell of a. <laughs> I, I did a freaking straight up big time heel turn. I did Austin shaking Vince McMahon's level heel turn. Uh, shaking Vince McMahon's hand level heel turn. 
No, but I'll try to tell you kind of where I'm at. Um, one of the things I really like about this setup for this party section is that, one, it's such a – this game does a great job of how it eliminates the high overseer, right? Yeah. Like you, you feel like you're cutting him off at every pass. You're eliminating his connection to the religious organization that's supporting him. You're eliminating his, his science and medical support. You're eliminating like his, his kind of mon- second in command, like his um, like advisors, yeah. and like the Pendleton. But you yeah. feel like it's it makes sense how you're you're undercutting him. You're cut. You're cutting off the legs before you cut off the head. Exactly, because if you were just to kill him, there's all these other people who would fill the power vacuum. Now there's no one to fill the power vacuum when he dies, which plays very much into the story of this game. Absolutely. Um, like- I really, really enjoyed the setup in particular for this section. How did you get Sokolov to cooperate with you? Um, we released some rats. Released okay. some rats, and he was kind of freaked out about those plague-carrying rats. <laughs> I mean, I... Boy, did he sing like a motherfucker. <laughs> I, I felt like that was... I talk about playing my Corvo in character. Yeah. And I feel like... This is a bastard who's helped support the overthrowment of the Empress. He he might not have had the blade in his hand, but he sure benefited from it. Exactly. Um, I need information to take down this guy. He's being a dick about this. We're going to get our information. Um, this is a, a, a old ward problem. We're going to use an old ward solution. <laughs> um, and I found it very kind of... Uh, symbolic, the man who's f- acting like he has the cure to this plague, and yet Realizes we bust out as... all those fucking rats. All of a sudden, he's just as vulnerable as the rest of these people. Um, I I thought that was a very interesting way of getting my information. I'm assuming you went a little bit more passive. I bribed him. Okay, but he didn't want money. He wanted a brandy. He wanted a drink. From okay. A, from a, a very rare drink. Can't remember exactly where I grabbed it from, but I gave him the drink, and he was like, all right, you seem reasonable. I'll tell you what you need to know. <laughs> and then Sokolov just joins the team. He's just out and about, just like, as a part of the group at that point on. So he did not do that for me. He's, he remained locked up for a while. I, <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed my solution. I am satisfied with my ending. I get. I yeah. I'm glad uh, we don't want to spoil yeah, those. We'll get to but it. I have the quote unquote bad ending. But I'm very excited. I like my ending. It fits my tone. Um, but we'll get there. Uh, the Sukolov gives up the information of how he's how basically the high overseer is being funded, and this mission starts off with such a great contradiction of the ward that you're in. Because you start off and you there's a war going on, at, for me, outside the gates of the party. The walkers are blowing up weepers that are roaming the streets. Hmm. The There's a heavy city guard presence. And some of that is because I've been playing High Chaos. Gotcha. I have a worse ward than you do. Yeah. I have a lot more weepers. They're, ser- they're searching, but they're not... There's some weepers around, but they're not extremely prominent. In my point in the game, they've start, the city's starting to like fall into massive decay. And there's lots of rats, there's hmm. lots of weepers. So outside the gates of the party, it's a war zone. 
That creates and a really cool juxtaposition exactly. with like the uh, gotcha. When I come into the gates, and like outside, there's some people who like how you get into the party basically. Uh, there's people like wait, you know, waiting at the door to come into this massive, lavish mansion, and then outside the gates is literally a war going on for the very like soul of the city, and no one in this party is acting like that's happening. Um, and I think that was a very that's cool. Yeah. Like it was a very cool symbolic almost so even um, though you're doing with a, a worse world state which kind of punishes you from a gameplay perspective from a story perspective kind of, it kind of enriches it that feel, a little bit it feels like the ward is collapsing around Co- um, corvo that's cool yeah and i really like how that feels um we get as we go into the party uh, you know this is one of those sequences like said we're not interacting in the shadows because it's a masquerade party this uh yeah. we're wearing a mask <laughs> and even building up to like that because of like my world state being different it was kind of mine felt more james bondy like i'm gonna dive into this river kind of go out dodge the searchlights get in i feel like i'm just like straightening up my tie the woman loses her invitation i just pick up the invitation i'm just like i'm just gonna blend in yeah i did, i got picked up the invitation to also <laughs> yeah um okay first thing i ask did you sign the guest book I don't remember. I don't think I did. You can sign. The first thing I did when I left, and I'm all spoiled leaving, but there's a guest book by the door. And you can sign the guest book as generic, not sign it, or you can write your fucking name. <laughs> and as I complete, after I completed the mission, Corvo wrote his name and walked out. And I thought that was the most badass way to end the mission. Yes. And we'll talk about how I did the mission, but. It's what a badass way. Like, as people put things together, what just happened, they checked the guest book and realized that Corvo, wanted assassin, was among their mitts. That's, that's a fucking poetic moment. And I, I love it so deeply. Yeah. Um, this whole mission is just full of, like, great moments like that, too. Like, yes. before this, Pendleton setting up, like, hey, I need you to take this letter to a man wearing a wolf mask. Simple enough, right? And then he's he's outside the party, so it's one of the first things you end up doing. So then he proceeds to call. I'm quoting here. He proceeds to call Sokolov a lying sack of shit. Hey. And then is like, "All right, follow me." And you're like, "What's going on? What's going on here?" Then, then a man just casually pulls out a chest. You're like, "Okay, what's in the chest? It's guns." And you're like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna 1776 this." The war was not big enough for the two of us. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I can reference plays and shit on here. <laughs> no, but I I thought that was a great payoff. It's such a simple moment. I love the guards' reactions who walk down there with you after the shooting. They're like... Someone's got to clean this up. Someone's got to clean this guy up. And they're like, well, yeah, somebody clean it up eventually. <laughs> Let's go get a drink. See, what, what I, how I thought this was going to go, I died the first time doing this because trying to play non-lethally. I'm just like, I'm just going to take the bullet and see what he does. Because I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be one in the chamber. We're going to shoot each other kind of like a duel and just like brush it off. So I just took it straight up and it didn't kill me. Then he proceeds to reload his gun and shoot me again and kills me. See, I turned around and <laughs> boom. My Corvo don't take no prisoners. So I sleep darn him and I get the same dialogue. It's like, well, someone's going to clean this up. And I yeah, guess. I turned around and bam. He still says unconscious and everything. Yeah. The deed is done. He, he gets the message at I, that point. Then you go into the party like nothing happened. <laughs> um, and one thing I learned about this, um, there are three Lady Boyles you're looking for. 
it changes. Yeah, it's the, not the same lady boil each time. It's just a palette swap. It's red, black, and white. Um, but th- I, that makes a lot of sense because the whole idea of the mission is piecing together who it was. Now, what, what, which one was it for you? Uh, red for Mine me. Mine was black. Esma was her name. Yeah, so it's a very cool sequence. So I wonder if... We'll talk about this in depth, but I wonder if their personalities are different enough to where you can kind of you have to play the mission in different ways. Because Esma was Esma was a bit of a flirt, so she went up she went right upstairs with me. <laughs> we didn't go upstairs. Oh, all right. So okay, so what? Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah. So now that we know it branches <laughs> off different, we yes. can kind of. So as you come yeah. into party, fun fact: couple of random fun facts I want to talk about. One. Um, one of the first guests you meet says how your mask is in poor taste, wearing the mask of the assassin that's been harassing the city. One person who saw, um, oh, one, the one person who saw me is like, oh, you're like the guy on the wanted posters. Yeah, that's, they're like, that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting that like the mask is known. Yeah, so people, people are aware of it. Someone like, thinks you're being an edgy tool. Yeah, someone him. literally <laughs> said to me like, man, that's really in poor taste. <laughs> And I'm sitting there like, yeah, you more than you will ever know. Um, but you basically discover that the three sisters are wearing the same costume, just different colors. And it, the game of the party is to figure out who's who. And that sets up a really unique kind of thing where you're going around talking to people. Some people have figured out one of them. Some people have figured out another one. And it's piecing together who you're talking to. Um lot of cool ward building going on. There's several like people who's lost everything in this financial collapse, but they're still trying to live like they have it. There's a lot of really interesting conversations that you can listen to. Uh-huh. Um, I was approached by a gentleman who is in love with this particular sister. And he yeah. says, I know what you're here to do. The man in the the man in the rat mask. Yes. I know what you're here to do. Yep. You don't you need to do this. If you help me, I'll keep her safe and I'll get her out of the way. And he I says go, that. And I go to myself, I go, this guy's a weirdo. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself, killing a woman in the middle of this party is going to be mighty problematic. There's a lot of people around here. Oh, no. So I said, Let's, let me think about it. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. Um, and then I talked to the lady. She gets a little bit of an attitude with me. So I'm like, hey, you're in danger. There's an assassin here trying to kill you. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no. She goes, but don't worry. I'm going to get you out of here. Just meet me in the basement. We'll go to the basement. We'll take care of this. And this is that. And then, Not the brightest thing to trust the man wearing the mask on the wanted posters. Um, <laughs> also, he's giving you a drug, the drug call. Oh, uh, yeah. And so... I got to oh, the basement, <laughs> she passed out, I picked her up, gave her off to that dude, he's like, don't worry, I'll keep we'll her take re- care of I'll this, I'll keep her and real one, safe, and one day she will learn to love me, that as is- he takes off, and I will say, I did not quite grasp, like, the way he talks about her is that he is a lover of this girl, yeah, and it's not till he is halfway down the canal, do you realize, when you realize, oh crap, he, I, he, 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 I, I, I human trafficked a person. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Um, I, I, I felt like it is a ward of bad decisions. Like I feel like the dishonored universe is a ward of 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 
of playing two evils against each other. Yeah. Um, that was the one, like, non-lethal uh, kill I did. That was like, I don't I don't feel good about that. It, I, sh- I should have killed her. Yeah, maybe. That, uh, that would have been the more just option than, hey, because I was like, all right, you'll have her. You want to like, keep her safe. You'll keep her on, like, the down low and everything. Okay. And then just the way he's like, she'll love me eventually. Just like, oh, no. What well, that? And what I like about it is when he says that, He's already leaving. It's too late for you yeah. to do anything. I, I had to reload because I messed this bit up the first time. So I was running with... Uh, I'll talk about how I got Esma in a little bit. But I was running with Esma on my shoulder. I did a jump really too high. And then she collapsed. And it said deceased. But it still handed her off. So I gave him a dead body. <laughs> and she was just oh, down the river. And I was like, um, um... That makes it worse. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to reload this. <laughs> No, I. So I said deceased, but the cutscene played out exactly the same, and it was just his corpse on on the boat. He didn't care. Just uh. Mm. She didn't pass out until we were already in the basement. So she, me, me and her walked down there, which gets you past all the guards, mm-hmm. gets you past all the servants, and so this was the only mission that I did not kill a single person because I just walked down there with her. Out she went, passed her off to Rat Boy. Regretted that decision. Yep. Walked on back out, but made sure to sign the guest book on the way out. And then uh, <laughs> pickpocketed a guard for a key and headed on out the door. That's cool. I um, Tell me, yeah. like, okay, so was that similar to how you did it? No. Okay, tell me how you did it. All right, so I kind of s- scoped out the party a little bit, walking around, met the rat boy. And then one, one funny thing that happened was I, I, stole, I stole a pot. And one lady was like, "Ah, oh, they're rich enough as it is. Uh, don't worry about I stole it. I still, a, I still stuff here all the time." I saw a, sh- uh, a statue, and the lady said that. She goes, "Oh, I saw what you just did." And I was like, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> and she goes, "Don't worry, I've been stealing stuff all night." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, go." Cool. <laughs> this is a, this is a party. <laughs> um, so I, I went up the stairs, and my the way I discovered information was I was reading logs in like their rooms and everything so i was like flipping through notebooks and it like kind of once i read enough logs i was hoping it'd be like something where i had to i would have to piece it together myself but once i read enough logs it was like yeah talk to the woman in the red dress yeah i I talked to enough people and it did that for me but i found out esma was a flirt so i went james bond pulled up pulled on the charm was like hey how's it going just just played off cool and aloof to where i was like i'm just gonna Act like I don't want her. Yeah. So that way she wants me even more. And she's like, let's go upstairs. Oh, okay. So then I sleep guard her in the back and then had to carry her all the way downstairs. wonder what happens if you go upstairs. What do you mean? <laughs> no, like, did she just stand there staring at you? Oh, yeah. I wanted to see what happens. She, she just stands there staring at you. Okay. And then uh, eventually she'll call in the guards because she's a little creeped out that you're just staring into her eyes. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That's funny. She's like, so we gonna do something or what? And she's just standing. (laughs) And you're just standing. I just wanna see what happened. That's funny. Um, So after you sleep guarded, or did you just like sneak her back downstairs? Yeah, just uh, snuck her all the way back downstairs, did a blink to get me across like the wine cellar. And that's when I did a blink too high and then dropped and then killed her and then handed her to Rat Boy. So I reloaded and then gave, gave the unconscious body, which at the same time I was like, is this, I don't know, the worst decision here. It's a nasty decision. I hate every. I hate everything about this, but a part of me makes this, me love the mission more. Yeah, that's my favorite mission. I, I'm, showing, I'm showing my love for Hitman in this. No, and, it's a great and mission. And James Bond movies. I mean, but. even I, the lethal player here, 
went through this playing it non-lethal because it just made so much sense and it was so fun. Um, if you do play this, sign the guest book. Think about that. Like after the all piece. How much together, of a power move? Is how this? big is the big dick move with that is? Where's Lady Boyle? Oh no. Corvo was <laughs> That and then like people like that guy with the mat. Oh no! Like dude, it's that that adds so much. It's as Neville brought back up and God, I wish it. Was. Oh man, I wish someone oh. like an NPC or something mentioned but it once. But, it's oh. such a good moment. Um, after we've done this, we have officially cut the high overseer legs off he's got no power base anymore he's um he's prime for the picking it feels like if i didn't know exactly how many missions were in this game it'd be like all right this is the final mission yeah it right? feels like the last mission um now i kind of i want we'll get to it in a second but i kind of saw this going one of two ways um so we'll see how this goes but I, um i was predicting corva like this would you would fail this a bit intentionally then have to, to like get up to that point again I but the way they did it was so much better yeah yes i anticipated that high overseer might find the pup and uh, so i was anticipating coming back from the party for a di- like with the pub being raided or something like that like on fire or yeah, something yeah. but i like how they did it instead yeah um the mission to take out the high overseer. It was a lot harder to predict, and yes, because of that it resonated a lot better for me. So, um, I feel like at this point, let's talk about the high overseer mission is fascinating to me. It is a straight up. Oh, this Lord, is the, the the Lord Regent. Lord, yeah, Lord Regent. Sorry, why yeah, I keep the, saying high. The high overseer was the first. Yeah, mission. The, Lord yeah Regent. the Lord Regent. I'm sorry, yeah. it's okay. Um, the Lord Regent taking out the Lord Regent was. It's a straight-up more stealth mission. Um, this kind of almost sets the tone for the rest of the game. And while it is good, because at this point you have a lot of your tools, um, I felt it was a little bit less interesting. From a than level from design a, from a level dis- yeah. And I feel like the was rest... There, was there the- only one way into the tower? Because, How did you get into the tower? Uh, there was a, like... Uh, Sort of great above where the um, that's how I got door. So I think that must have been the I, only way. It, felt, it feels a lot more from this point on for the rest of the game. It feels a lot more structured and a lot more gated in a way that I'm. I'm gonna sound negative. I don't want to sound negative because this is still a really good stealth game. But it kind of bummed me out that there wasn't didn't feel like there was that level of openness from this point on. And it might be from a perspective where they have a lot of different story branches at this point where they kind of need to rein it in. So that they can tell like one story so they're not like at the end and be like, we have to resolve like these 20 different things that were dangling in the air. So it, yes, but at the same time, from a level design perspective, they could have done a lot more choice in that matter. I I don't want to say it feels rushed. I never want to say that. No, no, it's not. I feel like it's a deliberate decision. Yeah. But it's not a decision that I really wish they would have went with. This game, for all at this point, was like the mo- one of the most creative stealth games I ever played. And just to have it be another stealth, a, a really good stealth game, but another stealth game was like, oh, we're doing it. Oh, man. <laughs> I felt like the other missions was so open-ended in how I felt like I navigated the environment. Even if they weren't necessarily, but the way they made me feel, I feel like I had like so many options. Yeah. 
here I felt like there was one correct way to do everything and that made it a lot less engaging. Also, I at this point for this particular mission, I kind of took the gloves off from my end mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, well, these are the the stout supporters of the Lord Regent. I am I've got to end this. So I was playing a little bit more lethal. I was um trying to be a little bit more but i also felt it was more like accustomed to the play style of this area because a lot of times it was the most easiest decision just to hit the dude with the crossbow bolt or just to because it was a lot of like patrol watching and like watching a patrol and sleep dart a guy get one rung higher sleep on a guy get a rung higher then sneak across on the rooftop area then get to the grave it felt like it made more sense to be a little bit more aggressive but yeah but from a like spectacle point of view this works really well because you start as like at like the beach area, oh. and you know from like the from way up there's like I gotta get to that tower way up there. So the scale here feels great. Also, this is a return to where you are at the beginning of the game. Exactly. Yeah. So you so. you know the environment. Um, there's even a really cool sequence if you go to where the Empress was murdered. There's a maid and a guard standing there talking about it, mm-hmm. but like if and from a it's a beautiful scene. It's night. You've got the searchlights going. You've got the walkers patrolling, uh, which I never fault those guys because gotcha. they just look scary. Um, this is where I found an annoying stealth thing. Uh, the bushes don't hide you. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm in a bush. They can't see me. Then all of a sudden. I'm like, oh crap. You have to remember that this game runs very heavily off of the, the vision cones. Mm-hmm. And the vision cones trump almost everything except direct breaking of line of sight. Because I was, I did that a lot with shadows too. I was like, I'm in a shadow area, they can't see me. So line of sight is the name of the game here. Yes. Um, and some of that is taught to you by the dark vision. But it's so extreme that sometimes it's even off-putting. Like, I forgot that I can kind of, like, move out in front of people. as If they're far enough back from me, I can be, like, in the middle of the open field. I can just blink right through their vision columns. And they, and they won't see yeah. me. Um, and that feels a little bit weird where, like, I feel like, like, I played this sometimes. And, like, yeah, I would get seen in a bush. But then I would be able to cut across an open courtyard with a guy looking... He's 20 feet that way, but because his vision cone doesn't extend that far, he doesn't see me, you know? There was some really weird stuff there. Um, I felt like, like I said, from a visual point of view, this is an amazingly pretty level. And even when you get inside, too, oh, like the scale of like the interior of the room is so huge. Um, that when you get there, like it's just the Lord Regent going into his room and saying, like, yeah, make sure this area is clear from people. Did you kill him in his room? I didn't kill him. Okay, but did you get to him in his room? Yes. Because he uh, there's apparently a way that you can trigger him going to a safe room. Um, yeah, I remember. I did not do that. No, I was I just wondering. I was just wondering if you did. No, I was. My first thought was I need to shut off a way to cut off the propaganda machine. So I went up there and choked the guy out. Then I failed the mission and went, wait, what? That's weird. So I re- reloaded my save. I had to talk to the guy. It was like, hey. Uh, the guy basically Nixoned himself and recorded a confession that he has in a safe. So I'm just going to peace out of here. Uh, y- you can just uh, grab the recording and play it here and it'll just blast yeah. his confession over the loudspeaker. So that's what I did. I sleep darted him, picked him up, 
uh, the um, Lord Regent, picked him up, set him gently on his bed, made him look like he was sleeping, broke into his safe, grabbed it, and just uh, let it play out. That's pretty but cool. Here's, there was a cool part that happened, too. I ran out and then saw, like, vision cones go, like, the the meter, the stealth meter yeah. break. So I was like, oh, sh- oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. And then I looked over, and they have the Lord Regent, like, cornered. So they didn't care about me. They just, like, drew their swords. And he's like, this is an act of treason. They're like, we know what you did. So then I just, like, jumped over the railing down to the ground and, like, ran out of the room. That's cool. That was, that, so that was a cool moment that happened as a result of that. wonder what they do to him. Uh, they arrest him. And okay. you don't hear about him the rest of the game because, like, they need a state of, like, we can't really show him again at, from this point on the story. Because... He's not the main focus anymore no. once we get past this no. section. Now, he, he did not survive my encounter. I figured. <laughs> um, fun fact, uh, good stealth up, up there and all that. Um, I took him out by just getting to his front door, kicking in the door, him literally going, hey, who dares? And crossbow bolt to the head. Did you shut off the propaganda machine? No. Ah, uh, gotcha. I, I had a single purpose. This man has ruined everything in Corvo's life, and he is going to get a crossbow bolt. But Corvo's name was not cleared. Not Corvo was a problem. Oh. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I had I had already. I have in my mind, this is a more than about this. To me, Corvo is more a man driven by the fact that the failure of to protect the Empress is something that it's it, his into, It was his whole purpose. His sole purpose was to stop this thing from happening, and he failed to do so. And this man is the pinnacle, the main, the the reason for all of his misery, and he is driven to eliminate that one facet, no matter what that might lead to, which plays well into my ending. And what kept me from killing people was Emily, because that's Corvo's emotional tie. And there's a point in bringing back, like you, you're really good at what you do, and Emily's like, what is it that you do? And everything. So it's the point. It's like I can't hurt Emily. It's like Clementine looking at you after you do after you kill a guy with a shovel, and it's just Clementine will remember that. And you're like, no, uh, no, 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 no! I didn't mean to. I... <laughs> it it plays well into my ending. <laughs> I I knew going into this, I was going to get a dark ending, and I said to myself, as a storytelling point of view, what's the best way of doing that? Have the actions that lead to the dark ending make sense? So you, Corvo, you really role-played this. Yeah, That's well, awesome. <laughs> but I kind of did because yeah. I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I get the bad ending while trying to play as a good guy. And I was like, well, Corvo is not a bad guy, but he's driven to stop this problem. He's driven for revenge. You made this, his a, t- re- you made this a story about how revenge can affect the exactly. people and the world around Which you. in my ending, it fits. That's why I'm not mad about my ending. Corvo, in my mind is so driven to stop the people that took his ward from him, who killed the Empress, who endangered Emily, somebody who cares about very deeply, and his actions are, at the end of the day, going to backfire on him. But it makes sense that the ward is the way it is if you play the game like I play it. And if you play the game the whole time trying to make Corvo like a good-hearted, heroic character that's doing everything by the book, and you still get the bad ending, he just fails. He's just, he does everything right, and the ward still sucks. If you do it where he's misguided in the, his decisions, the ending fits the story you're exactly. trying. You're trying to tell yourself. I'm playing because because my Corvo's story is about how a man had everything stripped from him, but that's not going to break who he is. 
because he still has to be the light for another empress and his goal is to try to make her get her to where she needs to be so she can fix everything and to like ultimately clear Corvo's name. My 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 story is a man who was broken that day. It's the fugitive, but it's with the fugitive more swords and is, yeah, less one but it's also an e- probably an equal amount of one armed men. Yes. <laughs> but uh my man my story is a man who was broken that day desperately trying to set things right that he can't fix. Are you the hero or are you the anti hero? Or are I you the I, the I, fact I, that like it Yeah, it walks the line. Yeah. The fact and, that it like guides this that, makes more sense when yeah. I explain my ending. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but so I killed him. I busted in the door <laughs> like a badass, and literally, as he stands up from his desk, I just—I was like, I was going to blink over there and stab him. And I was like, think about it from like a movie point of view, the concept of kicking in the door, and it's like, oh, surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> Crossbow to the face. Um, did my grand escape? Samuel gave me a little bit of a tag, a uh, tongue wagon about the way I do things, and arrive back at the uh, pub I go. Um, the sequence when you return back to the pub is when I knew something was off, just because I knew how long this game was. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, we're, we're was, celebrating what's left to do. I was like, either Michael really jacked up the, the hour <laughs> count here, or we've got ourselves a problem. Um, uh, countdown to plot twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... um yeah. So. Big, the moment that you have the celebration, everything is set right, Corvo is a hero, you go back to bed because that's what you do. And on the way back up to your bed, you get these, like, not hallucinations, but you start to, the ward starts to get fuzzy. At first, I thought it was the over, the outsider trying to get Same. in contact with I me. I thought so too. I was, I was like, like, I'm going to go to bed and there's going to be a weird, trippy sequence. <laughs> Instead you've, instead, you've been drugged. Um, this is... That moment of realization that happened was like, oh, I can't trust anybody. What I love about this moment is that everybody's in on it. Uh, almost everybody. Not Emily. But, like, not, not Emily, but and a not... lot of the big players. All the big players are. And it's something we talk about, right? We cut the legs off from the Lord Regent. There was no one there to fill the power vacuum. And this whole time, you run off the assumption that everyone participating in this resistance... That they believed in Emily. And they believe in Emily. And instead, what happens is, your killing of the Lord Regent, or your way of getting rid of the Lord Regent, is just creating a massive power vacuum that now all these people are stepping into. You just set the stage for the next group of evil. And the only way... That they can get the power they want is to get you out of the way. Because ultimately, Emily is their key to the throne because she has the, the claim to it. And she, but they they're going her. to, yeah, they're going to manipulate her. And they know that she cannot be manipulated with Corvo by her side. So because, they need you out of the way. Because you're the one member of this group that truly cares for her. She's a pawn for the rest of them. To Corvo, he's actually, she's family. And so she's a, she's a daughter to him. Yes, Ex- exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, I think spoiler for Dishonored Two, you can play as Emily and Dishonored. I think there's a choice where you yes. can play as Corvo or Emily, but yeah, but he, he she's I'm like gonna, a, if when I play that game, I'm gonna play as Emily. Me, yeah, 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 <laughs> But um, I wonder how that plays in my ending. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I love this setup. The concept that you've been drugged. It's supposed to kill you. Um, you even at first were like fucking Samuel Two. 
Utubrutus. But not Samuel. No, but the concept that Samuel was supposed to be the one to drug you. Um, but he... He gave you half. He gave you half. Because, like, I think, quote, he knows you can survive that. He's like, yeah, Samuel's like... I, and he's like, they were watching me. And if you think about it, of this resistance group, one thing we talked about in the first half that we bragged on is how it represents everybody. Mm-hmm. Right, the military man, the 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 the, the like high, the upper scholar, class, the, the scholars, everybody, like the, the maids, and everything. The like, the the simple fishermen. This resistance group represents everybody in class. But what happens when the power vacuum opens up? The people who had power originally go right back to trying to get power. Exactly. And who's the one? Like this is this going to sound really like my manifesto here? Mm-hmm. But who's the actual ones that once again, no matter who's in power, gets hurt? It's the low people. It's the poor people. It's the the simple fisherman, the maid, the school teacher, and so no matter who's in charge, the rich and the powerful and the military man are still going to try to gain power. And the only people who get hurt are the the low people. The world keeps turning. The world keeps turning. You didn't and, change and, a thing. And oppression keeps happening. And so of course you as Corvo are dumped. In the lowest of the low, you're in the water the, district. The flooded district. The flooded district. Where the plague is at its absolute it's, worst. It's too far gone. Well, I think this is when you actually realize this world is collapsing. Yeah. Um, and Even from my perspective of having low chaos... Didn't see how bad it was on like the lowest on the lowest yes. rung of the ladder. This is when it shows you like there was no saving this city, which plays into my ending. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is my you, you get handed off. You get handed yeah. off to the assassins that killed the empress with uh, Dawid. The, so you know who's pulling the strings of like those assassin people. That's where it all clicks because I originally thought I was wondering where they fit. Into the whole puzzle. Because they but were... But I didn't realize they were like a third faction. Yeah. Because they're such a distinctive enemy type. They're bounty hunters. They're bounty hunters. But they also... They're so distinctive that you knew they had to come back at some point. Because they have the the ability to blink. They have power... They have connections to the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk to you about the outsider in a little bit. Um, I want to kind of... Uh, talk about for a second there the um the concept of this section is my least favorite part of the section game to play but i feel like it is the most interesting ward building i agree i did not love playing this section i died several times trying to grab a stupid chain yeah yeah you you know exactly what i'm talking about trying to get your gear back the 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 tunnel i died so many times on that um also for me i had a ton of weepers around Uh, mm, and i can't imagine those guys with the spitting plants because the spitting plants were annoying enough that that was not that's not that's my favorite that's my favorite mechanic in game plants that spit poison at you it's not a good mechanic it's just um oh and a sewer sections here too so it's like the worst part of video games Oh, oh, you also swim during this, too. So it's literally just, hey, let's take all the things that are not fun about games and throw it in this it's, one section. It's, it's got a... It's, it feels like padding. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you I could was... Have, you could have streamlined this section. I like the payoff with dealing with the assassins, but getting to... You you shouldn't have had to go this long just to get your equipment Now, back. the breakout of the um, section was cool. Oh, that was great. When you realize that you, you have to throw the rocks to break... Air, 
and everything. I didn't stealth this at all. I ran. They saw me coming. I just ran, jumped out the window, dove into the water, and just swam off. And I was it like, was... That, that's a cool, like, uh, Errolfin moment. <laughs> so this is where I made my turn. Oh. They took everything from Corvo. Corvo had set everything right. He had got his redemption. And once again, he gets fucked over again. And this is when motherfuckers start dying. <laughs> now, Corvo doesn't go kill a bunch of weepers or nothing. But these are fucking assassins died. And a if lot of If you have a sword, died. if you would draw it at me, I'm killing you first. Yes. A lot. This is when I first time I started using things like the grenades. And oh, the, and I, I, I touched them during the section too, but I did, I did that to kill the plants. I'd kill, like There was multiple times where I had groups of the assassins and then all of a sudden a grenade landed in their midst and down they went. I felt like this is the point that broke Corvo for good. Like he finally reached the mountaintop. He set everything right. It's the third act of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I don't, there's not a ton to talk about in like some of this. Uh, you get your equipment back. There's a lot of environmental scaling, a lot of Valve-style Half-Life stuff. There's Slackjaw and Granny Rags. Did yes, you see that's what I want to jump to. Did you deal with Granny Rags? Yes. And save Slackjaw? Yes. Because Granny Rags was being a little crazy. Um, <laughs> I like the fact they came back. Yeah. Um, when you talk to the guy in the sewers and he talks about Slackjaw, I was like, oh, yeah, I know Slackjaw. And he's like, no, he was. I thought that me assassin people had got a hold of him. And when you get there and you realize it's Granny Rags, it just like applaud the game for bringing these two people back they, they brought they brought slackjaw back in a note for me there was a note that said basically thank you with like 500 gold on the desk for me doing that and i would have thought that would have been it though yeah but the fact that they show back up here you know granny rags hates slackjaw but the fact that they show back up here i really really enjoyed this it's a very simple moment if you've ever seen you ever read the book um the portrait of dorian gray uh no uh <laughs> basic premise of the book is a man who doesn't age but all his sins are reflected on the a portrait of himself that he keeps locked in his attic okay so he the portrait ages and the sins and the evil that he does affects the portrait but it doesn't affect him physically and it's about his obsession with the portrait i digress hmm. the fact that you killed granny rags by destroying the um the image yeah of her, you, you throw it in the, um, the in the furnace, furnace. Is very much of the the ending of the Portrait of Dorian Gray. Fun fact: If you ever want to read the good book, Portrait of Dorian Gray, high quality book, very good story. Um, stuck with me. I read it in high school, and I still remember it. Um, the uh, the whole concept is very much of the Portrait of Dorian Gray. The out the, the outsider shows up here, and he was like, "I'm curious about you," just because he was like, "No matter what happens, you're still like you're not." You're playing like the non-lethal route. I'm curious about you. Is the I, way he frames that. Mm -hmm. uh, can we talk about the outsider real quick? He's the weakest part of this game. Uh, I, I agree. I was hoping we would get more of him, and maybe that's in Dishonored. Too. Maybe that's in the spinoff Death, the uh, side story Death of the Outsider. I, I read. So there's a couple times you get ruins from specific moments. So you get that's one where he shows here. Up. That's where I got one. Where he there's also up, yeah. if you stop the interrogation that's happening, that's torturing a man downstairs in the. Um, in oh, the I did. Yeah. I didn't stop that. Yeah, I was want to see what. Yeah, if you stop that, that 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 torturing, 
he's being tortured because he has possession of one of these ruins. Gotcha. If you pick it up, you get lectured by the outsider. And I felt like he is a mysterious character who's there to be mysterious. And I was waiting for his big payoff. And you don't I have never to explain really got... everything, but you've got I'm... to give me enough. Otherwise, it's just a guy who... Otherwise, he's a gameplay device who shows up and gives me cool powers. Yeah. I have no connection to the outsider. But he apparently has connection to me because he, he narrates the ending of this game. I hope that he plays a bigger role in the next game or the death of the outsider. I mean, I assume if he's in the title of the thing, he has to be. But it's a, I, I feel like that is a failure of this, is that I feel like they need a little bit more from him to really invest myself in him. He needs to be there because someone needs to be there to give you the justification of the uh, the powers. And he does play a role into the fact that the assassins obviously have a connection to him. They have powers from him. What that connection is? It's so it's so mystery it's, for mystery's it, sake. It's vague. Yeah. Like, vague can be good, but you've got to give me enough to, like, chew on. And exactly. I just felt like, I was just like, oh, this outsider dude, whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't. Don't. I didn't connect well with him. And he's so... What's there is interesting, and to the point where it's frustrating that I don't have more of that. Yeah, I wish there was more. Um, Maybe there is in may, the next yeah, game, I'm but sure there judging is. just from this game on its own... Which it's, is the rules of this show. Yeah, exactly. We judge the game it's, we have presented. We don't use... We don't judge it by DLC or anything like that. We judge it by the game as released. Um, but I think that is a, a fact I would like to throw out. Um... Let's just jump straight to the dealing with the, the head of the assassins that murdered the Empress. Because um, we go back to the... I want to say one thing in that mission when we go back to the pub. In that... That's before. That's after this. Oh, that's after... Oh, yeah, because you deal with the assassins. We have to deal with the my, assassins. My bad. Yes, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Sorry. I got, I got thrown I off on my notes. I feel like this whole section is so tacked on. Because when I get to the assassins... Um, now I busted the doors down because, like I said, I was playing Corvo as a man who's like, y'all motherfuckers, I can't get anything, you know? And so I attacked him. I took him down. He makes a plea after you kill him, you know, a wound him, where he's like, you know, I'll leave. I'll leave town. I'm done with this life. I've murdered so many people. I feel like I've woken up from a dream. He makes some references to having met the outsider. And I was like, you don't get to walk away from this. <laughs> like, you you ended my ward. You don't just get to give me a sad story and walk away. And I feel like some of that is because he wasn't a character that's well established. Yeah. So the sad story doesn't work for me. Because it's like your guy who just literally I met an hour ago. The, only, the last time I saw you was you sticking a sword into the Empress's stomach. You don't get to walk away from this. And I get that it's the the quote-unquote low chaos method. But for me, I had a hard time with that one because I was like, I just met you. Your sad story doesn't work for me. Every experience I've had with you is that you're a murderer. I sent him a message. Really? I stole his coin purse. Really? And left him. As a result of, I could have killed you if I wanted to. That's kind of cool. But you're not worth it. That's a lot better than the ending, the way of wounding him and letting him walk away. Yeah. I like the idea of that. That's more of like a... Let him know I could have. Yeah. You didn't see me coming. It's a little bit more... You're not worth it. Yeah. You're not worth You're my not time. worth my time. You are so pathetic that I won't even waste my time on my sword. 
I, I, I really felt that was the first time in the game that I felt like it was like a, a choice for a choice's sake. Gotcha. We talked about that a lot in uh, the Resident Evil 7 episode that we did. Yeah. Where you pick between um, uh, Mia, Mia, Zoe, yeah. Mia and Zoe. It's like the, the only choice that's really there is Mia. Um, this feels like a choice for a choice's sake. Even Speedrunners choose Mia because she's... <laughs> also, Mia's cool. Yeah. Than Zoe. Um, by the way, Resident Evil 7 is on... Uh, Resident Evil 8 is on uh, sale right now. Big sale. Big sale. It's like 30 bucks. I still gotta play 0, 5, and 6. Um, Code Veronica is on my system thanks to you. <laughs> I might play Code Veronica. But no more Resident We'll ban from Resident Evil. Yeah, follow a guide. Yeah. Anyway. Go back and listen to our Resident Evil 7 show. Um, but uh, after that, you go back to the pub. There's some environmental stuff, but we'll just skip through that. Um, going back to a, the pub is great. You're right. I love the cliche. It, it's a cliche, but I mean that in the, the best way of going back to a familiar environment, except there's enemies here now. Because, like, home turf advantage, I've been here before. I know, with the ins and outs of everywhere in this map. And me being bloodthirsty Corvo, whose family broken, I wiped the floor with these motherfuckers. <laughs> like, no one escaped. Like, because I knew this environment so well. That's cool. I was like the predator. Where I was just coming out of rooms, <laughs> bam, bam, stab, stab, stab. Coming off of the top of a, of a balcony onto dude. I knew every inch of this place. I was the damn predator. It was a bit hard for me playing non-lethal just because of the sheer amount of people here. So I had to sneak around and get like particular items. Mainly a blueprint for Piero and Sokolov who are working together. Yes. The, the science bros. This is my favorite section. I actually, the first thing I did was I went to the uh, my room. Did you go to uh, Corvo's room? I had to, to get... Uh, does Emily, Informa- Emily to, to get information on where Emily is? Because there's a note. Does from she her. leave a, a picture for you on the wall? I didn't see it. If she did, for I me, read the note. There's a note, but she gives you a photo, and it's a bunch of papers that make a gigantic image of the mask. Oh, I didn't get that. I didn't know. And this plays into the Emily that I have. Gotcha. Because you gotta think, this is a violent ward that Emily's been introduced into. Um. It was very haunting because it, it, for me, looking at it, it's like it's a if you ha- I have children and children reflect the ward that they they grow up in in their play, and it's something extremely haunting to see this child who's drawn a picture for her you know her father figure, and it's just the mask of death that everyone sees around that Corvo's been bringing. It's not Corvo. It's the mask that she draws. Oh, that's so good. That this is why I'm gonna make a pitch at the end that my ending's the right ending. Okay. <laughs> but we'll digress. Um, but yeah, the science bros are in there. When you come down, they're underneath the table. Yeah, I love that they're arguing between themselves under the table. So, I, I could, I could have a game of just them. Like, I give, love that. Give me moment. a telltale adventure of Piero and Sokolov going on a mission together. It was great. Um, <laughs> this gives you the choice that you are basically going to uh, soup up this new version of the pylon, and you can either fry everyone or you can put everyone to sleep. But ever since everyone was already dead when you got no, there, well, everyone was dead except the uh, the t- the walkers. I never engaged the walkers. Oh, that's a bad idea. To yeah, do that. so I had killed everyone else. And so we fried everybody. This is I'm I'm role playing in this moment. 
everyone freaking dies. Everyone went to sleep. Everyone went to the, for you. They went to sleep. For me, they went to the apartment sleep. And like I said, it played well. And like the sickening thing is because the war I think reflects Corvo. The, the both of the scientists are so excited about how this works. Because when you fry everyone, they're like, "My God, it worked great! Look how amazing this is! This is great!" Like they have no concept that they just burned alive all these people. And I think it fits well into those characters. Um, one of the things that's a very heart wrenching moment is you go to the beach to find the key to the tower and you realize they've executed all the people that were not a part of the plot so they executed um the maids the uh uh castilla's there but she's trying to she's like yeah. shaking the lot trying to get out and everything and she kind of explains yeah at the everything beginning when you yeah. first show up she's in the hallway she's following you get, she's following me as i'm like walking up giving me exposition and everything like this happened this happened this happened yeah but you know the she executed the one did you you know the girl who was the teacher of emily what's her name that's castilla oh she's dead oh she was dead she was dead for me oh. that's who i got the key from she i got it off her body oh no <laughs> yeah she was dead um weird moment also did you do the peak pole thing with her no okay so there's a sequence oh yeah where pierre is it piero uh or pendleton it's piero it's piero is looking in on her and you walk up and look into the peak pole and she's in the bath i was like not cool man um (laughs) i wanted to know what happened so i walked in there and she's just like not right now corvo uh, yeah, I'm just not in the mood. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's not how I thought this would walk. But, but um, if you see from, like, at least in my ending perspective, uh, how Corvo looks, Corvo's, like, hot. He's, like, got, the, he's got, like, the... Um, he's the, got, like, the Keanu Reeves, Adam Driver thing going on. Where I was like, what? I was like, I didn't. I was not expecting this look from Corvo. He's, yeah, he's different than what I was I like, all of a sudden, everything, like... Uh, with Esma and everything with Makes that. Makes Start making sense. Hey, apparently he's a good-looking guy. You can go a lot of places if you look like Adam Driver. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's funny. Um, no, but uh, just random thought. But she was dead, my ending. Oh. She's dead on the beach with all the other people that were. Which, made, well, to me, was just like it plays into the world that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. Where it's like these motherfuckers, these assholes didn't give a damn about anybody. It makes they, you just, And everyone else was a yeah. tool. You want to dig deeper into that yeah. path because everything it does yes. is just making you. It plays into my ending. A lot. Sl- it's like a it's, it's a, a descent. Yeah, it's a descent into enrage because it's like everyone else, including myself, was a tool for these motherfuckers. Yeah, and so you signal Samuel to come get you. Final mission time. You're going to the lighthouse. You're going to fucking. In this shit. I forgot to talk to Piero and restock my uh, sleep darts. So There was no sleep in here. So this mission went rough because I couldn't put anyone to sleep Everyone, from a from a far yeah. distance. And there's a lot of guards here. God. It's a tough fortress. It's really tough. Um, So what I like about this is they all stepped into the power vacuum and then they all turned on each other. Yep. Pendleton's turned on um, the Admiral. Morton so has I, sided with the Admiral. I wanted to see, so I looked up what, like the Indians, because I was confused about which one mine was because it happened so fast. But I was like, oh, okay, I didn't miss anything here. So like the setup for our stuff is complete. Is like once we get to like what looks like the cradle from Goldeneye. Yeah, it looks. Uh, it's almost it's yeah, very. They're completely different games at that. Really? Yeah, different setups here. Okay, so. I'm excited to see how yours is okay. compared to mine. 
Um, sneaking into the fortress was pretty. It's a straightforward, straightforward stealth, stealth yeah. mission. Um, you figure out how to take down the wall of lights. I'm disappointed that there's one path through, but like I get it. It's the final mission. I get. I came in through that like sewer vent that was on the wall there. Yeah, you got. You got. That's the only way forward. You got to yeah. take down the wall of light. It took me forever to figure out how to do that because I was trying to go underneath. I was like, it's, I was it's, hacking turrets, and I was like, I. It how just, do I get through? Yeah. Then I saw that thing and went, oh, duh. I kind of wish it was more open ended, but I get why it's not. Uh, Martin's out there yelling at Pendleton. Basically, come out. You know, this is a power war going on between the two of them. And while he's yelling, because, like, in my mind, Corvo wants them to know he's coming. While Martin is yelling, I'm sitting in the shadows and just, thoof, crossbow bolt to Martin's head. Middle of the conversation. Guards freak the hell out. Pendleton yells, like, out in the window. He's yelling, like, Corvo, I know you're here. You know, <laughs> like, it's like this. Were they all marked on your map? Yes. So they weren't for me. I'll explain why in a bit. Okay. So, yeah. I But I, as I killed Martin, it was this, like, surprise motherfucker. Because Martin's kind of like a B player. I wanted, like, I like the concept of Pendleton knowing I'm coming. I killed Martin. I got up high, and Pendleton is having a conversation. You can actually get around on the wall there, and you can see into where he's at through a broken part of the wall. And because like I'm playing bloodthirsty rage induced Corvo at this point, mm-hmm. grenade went right through that wall pretty damn easy. <laughs> and out blow, and it was a great moment because I'm standing there watching as he's talking. Did he explode out the window? No, but you see the body fly across the window, and you hear him yell because I threw <laughs> yes. it. And so it was literally, I felt like I was the predator because I was just like, <laughs> like it's it feels like Corvo unleashed. It's the way I was kind of playing it. That's awesome. But like all the way up to this point, Corvo has been trying to be, you know, he's trying. He's shown restraint. He's not. He's yeah. not. He's he's killed people, but he's shown restraint. This is what he happened. has a code. He doesn't have a code anymore. Yes, this is what happens when you break a guy who has these set of skills. And so I throw the the bomb through the window, and boom, he he panics and blows up, and That's it's awesome. just like okay, one more down, you know, and that leads me to scaling the tower. Uh, do you want to talk about your point up to this point, so we yeah. can kind of get to the tower I'll, at one? I'm from the tower. It's just a, like I didn't have anything like that. It was just like a straightforward self thing. At the tower is when everything is everything's calm at the tower, like sunny skies. All that stuff. I know on your side it's like a lot more cloudy. It's a lot more of like a dramatic, like yeah. final, the climax well, action scene. How did scene. you deal with Martin and Pendleton? I didn't. They were already dealt with. Oh. I went to like the the glass dome library thing. Did you see that at all? I like, went through there, I believe. Yeah. I don't so think I did anything in there. There's a library in like a glass dome and it's uh, Havelock. Like uh, has a drink in his hand. But there's everyone sitting around a table, except you realize that Pendleton and Martin are dead. They were poisoned by Havelock around the table as he's just giving like a big monologue. <laughs> See, they are in the middle of a like a power struggle in my game. So like there's Pendleton's locked himself away. So are away. the guards like infighting on each other? They're not. Well, or... there's like a standoff. Like, in, once you get inside, like, Martin's gotcha. got his guys, and they're making, like, a, they're yelling up at Pendleton, who's locked himself up in the fortress. Oh, see, that's cool. And he's got his guys in there. So you see that there's about to be 
problems. Everyone, and mind, everyone's just looking for Corvo. No, see, there's here, like, a, there's yeah. like, is the political? It's like the exact same thing happening, but like at a much smaller scale. It's a lot the, subtle. The uh, it's happening in like the boardroom a lot. Here, a lot more. here, yeah. things have devolved into violence because the ward I've created is, is a, a violent ward. Yeah. Um. So when I scale the tower, at the top of the tower at the lighthouse, Emily is there with um Havelock. Havelock who he's trying to get her to I think they're trying to escape. And he's got he's on the edge of a scaffolding. And as you round the top of the, the tower, he grabs Emily and starts to back up towards the edge of the scaffolding. And you have to be very, very quick, because if you shoot too late and you kill him, he drags Emily over the edge with him. Oh no. If you shoot too quick, Emily, if you sh- if you do it the way you have to do it, which is come around the corner and bam, shoot him. He dies. Emily falls and grabs the ledge, and you can sprint up real quick and grab her before she falls. Gotcha. So that's how I did it. The first time I, f- I fucked up. I thought I was gonna have the dramatic walking up, you know, <laughs> and he's backing up, yelling, and I got the bead on his head and I shot him. You're waiting for the action movie line. Exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for that moment in the end of uh, Corvo yeah. finally speaks. You ever play the uh, the Call of Duty Four map, uh, um, Mile High Club? It's the bonus mission on four. It's one of like the t- I be- beating it on veteran is considered like one of the toughest things. But I, I took days to beat that thing on veteran. But it ends in a hostage guy being grabbed, and you have to shoot him in the head. And, you know, it's like special forces thing, right? Here, I thought I was gonna have to do that, but instead, when you shoot him, he just falls over. He drags Emily with him, mm-hmm. and so I had to shoot him right when I came around the corner, and then grab Emily before she falls. And this triggers my ending. How did you get to your ending? Uh, so the room is there. Havelock's like standing by the fireplace, giving his grand old villain speech. It's not as exciting. It's cool from like it's not just nowhere near as exciting. I choked him out, grabbed the key, and freed Emily. Emily was locked in a room, and that's okay. Why I was kind of dumbstruck because she hugs Corvo and says, "I knew you would come for me," and then it hard cuts to the ending. And I was like, I messed up. I didn't kill. I, I didn't kill the other two. And that's when I had to replay this section. Was oh, they're in the chairs. Around. Okay, because it was like, because I got a mission. It was like you need to find Pendleton and Martin, but it never triggered that you found them. They're they're kind of dead. To me, though, that <laughs> I had to do it. Um, yeah. Talk to me about your ending, and then I'll talk to you about mine. So it is a golden age. No one is there to anyone who tries to manipulate. Emily has to answer to me and because of that she can work her way and become the empress that her mother was and she said and like the outsider nerves it and he says where other people would storm out of the room you stayed and listened you listened to her ideas you helped shape her into the woman she is and the woman she will be so that way it leads Dunwall into a golden age then you see like uh People drinking at the bar, cheering that the plague is away. You see Sokolov and Piero being bros. All that. It's just a very... It's, it feels like I've earned that happy ending. It was the way I play. I played and everything. And that's when you like see Corvo with like the mask off, long hair, just like smiling like next to the throne and everything. So it was... It's a good ending. I just wasn't expecting it to wrap up as fast as it did. So I was, I had 
I pull up a video real quick and go, wait a minute, did I do that right? What? Um, um, okay. Uh, I guess that was it. Because then I got an achievement that said the end. I was like, oh no, did I get the bad ending? Because I didn't kill uh, Sokolov. That's why I realized it was, or not Sokolov, uh, Martin and P uh, Pendleton. But, yeah. Uh, Golden Age and Corvo lives a full and happy life. And the last shot is Corvo's grave with Emily sending over it bringing flowers. So, my ending, it is very subtle. Because I, I pull Emily off the falling from the top of the, the lighthouse. And she goes, uh, are they dead? Did you kill them all? And he goes, he, you, I assume he nods. <laughs> um, and she goes, good, because I was going to order them all to be dead. And she goes, oh, she goes, you know, and she, you can just see in her voice and her face that rage build, and it cuts to very so hard cut, very off putting. It, yeah, it's like um, shocking. It's like, did I do something wrong here? Did I accidentally hit A too fast yeah. and skip something? But it cuts to the outsider narrating that it shows like the throne room and there's arguing like among the nobles. They're fighting. People are at the throne, and Corvo and Emily's like kind of like freaked out. And Corvo's literally throwing people off of like where the throne is. And it basically says that Emily grows up in an age of, of chaos. She will grow to be the best empress that she could be in the circumstances that were given to her, but she can but she, she kind of so fails much. at it. Like yeah. she struggles to she the ward that is inherited to, by her is uh, in chaos. And she does the best she can, and Corvo stays behind her. The constant threat to support her regime. Basically, Corvo is the blade that supports the regime. Uh. So, like, Emily does not lose power because Corvo is there. And while you were the guide that gave her the chance to lead the people into the new age, Corvo is the, the fist that keeps Emily in power. Which kind of is shown by that scene where he's throwing people away from the throne. Um, gotcha. The uh, uh, Dunwall falls into chaos. It shows the bar scene, but for me, it looks like people have just raided the place. There was people passed out all over the place. You know, chaos, anarchy, people being murdered in the streets. Um, the plague has just uh, it shows Samuel on the oceans as the oceans are going crazy. Um, obviously, I think it killed killing Samuel in like a storm. Um, oh, and it Not shows Samuel. that. It basically says that Don, Dunwall continues to fall into chaos, and Emily does the best she can for a woman who's brought up in an age Man. of this and sand. And it cuts to the Corvo was it cuts to Corvo's grave and an old, old or Emily standing beside it putting flowers on it. But it's on a day where there's rain. It's less of a. It's not like a. It's not happy. It's, it's not a lot happy. more. Um, and this is why I want to pitch my ending is the. I. I can see that. Um, I, both endings very much work for the stories that yes. we're telling and the way we're playing our character. I'm not, I, you, uh, you asked me at one point, did, were you disappointed in your ending? And what I like about my ending is, my ending is the high chaos ending, but it's not the bad ending. Not total chaos that I saw was a thing. It was, and also it's not that, it's not the lame, everyone dies in your ending. Mm -hmm. It's like, no. And why my ending makes a lot of sense, I think, in the state of this ward is this is a ward in decay. You can't stab plague, as we have learned. As <laughs> um, <laughs> we have learned. You can't stab plague. You can't stop this level of decay. Dunwall is, is done for. Like, 
that was the the opening message of the game to me. One second. <coughs> Bless you. Um, sorry. Uh, the opening message of the game is no one's coming to help. Remember, the game starts off with Corvo coming back from a diplomatic mission, and literally everyone telling them to stuff it. They're not going to come help Dunwall. And to me, this collapse of Dunwall is inevitable, and it fits the themes of the game. This concept of Corvo trying to fix it and still he's he he accomplishes his objective. But what is the ward that Emily inherits? She inherits a ward of death and chaos and anarchy, and it's a nihilistic ward that she inherits. He, congratulations, you gave it to her, but she's received a ward of misery. And even though Corvo stays beside her and keeps her in power and keeps her safe, the ward that she's given is is a nightmare. And it fits, I think, some of the themes of the game of this concept that decay is inevitable and there's nothing that a man with a knife can do um i like that your ending exists because it does fit the concept of someone trying not to it's the hopeful ending mm-hmm. because it's the concept that the man who doesn't bl- doesn't doesn't bl- uh, you know fall into the chaos and fall into the evil can actually find ways to turn things around and that's something that i believe is a message you can put you can find hope in something or someone and if it can happen to a man who has lost everything who can't be shaped by that as well yeah i like that your ending is there like i don't want to take that away i'm happy i love my ending i'm happy you know know, yeah and you should it's a good ending um because it feels like that was the story that's the story you told but I like the fact that I can tell a different story, and it still works. And it's still satisfying. You don't feel exactly. cheated. And I imagine you would, if you're trying to get the total chaos in, and you're like, that's that's what I was aiming for here. Yeah, and I, like, I don't feel like, like my ending's not happy by any means. No. But I feel like my ending fits the ward that I gave. I participated in a ward. I told a story through my actions, and the game reflected it. I will say one thing in hindsight it would have been nice if it wasn't so jarring. Um, but at the same time, I understand that they have to create multiple endings. So it has to be a little bit more. This is the age of the slideshow ending. Yes. Remember, like, Fallout 3 was a big one. Yeah, Fallout 3 <laughs> literally having a slideshow. Um, There's like, we have a lot of choices to wrap up. So uh, Remember how weird it was in Fallout 3 that you had a super mutant with you and you couldn't just send him in the good. They, fi- they fixed that in the DLC. But, yeah. then, but then you get taught. <laughs> Spoilers for Fallout 3 if you care. But uh, yeah, and then they give you the option to do it and then the game just chastises you. He took the coward's way. I'm like, I took the smart way. It won't affect him. That guy literally doesn't even know the difference. <laughs> to him, it was walking into a room, hitting a button. <laughs> for me, it was up and freaking die. You took the coward's way. I was like, do I have to die needlessly in order to not be a coward? I feel like I feel like they should have caught that beforehand. <laughs> well, of course, we end up ranting about the ending yeah. of Fallout 3 in this time. I digress. Anyway, um, anyway yeah. Are we as positive, I think, in this second half as we were the first half? I Talking about it and how our stories like kind of played out, made me appreciate the second half more from a story perspective. From a gameplay perspective, the first half the first half was king. The first half was king to me. Yes. So I I hope the sequel would combine what I love about the second half's story with the first half's varied gameplay. 
Um, I agree with you 100%. I think the the flooded city section felt like padding. Um, from a gameplay perspective. From a gameplay. All from, from a story a, perspective, it was all. There's nothing. Yeah. I have no complaints at all about the story of this game. No, absolutely. But from a gameplay perspective, I felt like that was a weak spot. Um, this is still a wonderful video game. And the only reason I think that it's a weak spot is because there are parts of this game that are so strong. Some of my favorite like design and stealth games that I've played in at least the past few years. Yes. Like This game that surprised me when I was playing it. Going, why haven't I played this before? No, it's a wonderful video game. If the whole game played like the second half, that's about what I was expecting all the way through initially. And the fact that it surprised me up front, but then kind of like backed away from that, I was like, I see the potential. I see why people love Arcane's games. It's the potential there that like, I was like, they almost got it. This is so close to being like an amazing game. Agreed. It's still a great game. I still really like this no, game. No, it's a- but it's so if it, it's just like a couple things that need to be like ironed out for this game to be ama- amazing. To I me. think I think and I-, I would follow this. If I played this one and came out, of course I would follow this studio. And be like, is this the one that they knock it out of the park? Is this the one where they knock it out of the park? I I I really. And have... some people think. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, go ahead. Some people think that probably this game was the one that knocked it out of the park. There's a reason this game is so well beloved. And I think it's also the benefit of playing this much later than when it came out, too. Because there's been a, a lot of good stealth games uh, since then. Like, um... Anyway. <laughs> no, there has yeah. been. Yeah, there I has mean, been. I think I, like, I think there was another Thief game that came out after this. I think if, I think uh, um, this did a lot better than that Thief game. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to use games that... That come out that similar, were like similar stealthy. Things. I, I can't, I, I can't by degrees. piece it together. But at the same time, they're the only people who seem to be making like these immersive sim style games right now, which is why I think people are looking up to Arcane to kind of carry right, that trend forward because now, because they're not making the Deus Ex games anymore. Let's be honest with ourselves. Also, they also came in and they hit it out of the park with a very solid game in like Prey, because Prey was theirs also. Um, Dishonored Two is apparently very very good. Like they they strung together a series of very high quality releases after this, so it wasn't a one and done kind of thing, right? Like they showed their kind of their potential, and they've shown that they can keep it up, leading up to like Deathloop. Yeah, and I want to now. I want to play all of their games because I'm gonna be like, which is the one that I'm going to hail and be like, everyone needs to play this game. Yeah, no, I think Arcane is now like Dishonored. I'll suggest to people. For sure, be like, hey, if you like stealth games, you should get definitely give Dishonored a try because it definitely kind of breaks the mold of what you would expect of a stealth game in like the first half, especially. But I want to find I want to find that game because I know the studio. After playing this, I know the studio is capable of it now to picking the game that makes me go, this is the one. And from the trailers and the style of everything, it might be Deathloop for me. Deathloop is very tempting. It's on sale right now. And it's, uh, it my, looks like my a birthday, very good game. my birthday's coming up, so I'm like, mm, maybe mm, Deathloop does seem cool. It looks good. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> I do have. I was looking at Prey. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there thinking about Prey, and then at the same time, Dishonored Two might be something I might want to fiddle around with. There's a lot of good stuff. In there. I I could pick one and be happy. Yes, because I know that this studio is fully capable of making something amazing. This game just was. So close to being there for me. I th- I think this is a a solid. This is a game that 
I think I came out of it just kind of blown away at the, the execution of it. The ward building is amazing. Storytelling was very good. I feel like this was this was a definite a, from, a showcase for this studio. From a gameplay perspective, this is kind of what I wanted Bioshock to feel like more for me. In terms of like its gameplay openness no, yeah. and everything. And I get Bioshock's that not that kind of game. Also, Bioshock is significantly earlier. It, it is earlier, yeah. It is earlier, sure. so I would defend that. But, and this game took a lot from Bioshock. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, no, I think it's amazing. That's game. a conversation for another day. It's a, a conversation that we'll have to have at the end of this year when we do our rankings. They're probably going to end up in similar places. Yes. I, imagine. I imagine the conversation will be heavy on who goes above who. But I digress. I don't know at this point. I, I don't know. To, I'd have to think about that yeah, for a we'll long see. time. <laughs> but very, very happy that we played this i had game. a ball definitely if you haven't if you've listened to us talk about this series for two hours now uh four hours, four hours now, now then and you haven't you know picked it up then i think we've made a pretty good case for it um it's on game pass for xbox players it's also on it's sale. also really cheap like it's you on could sale constantly if you have a pc uh you could probably get this game for like two bucks on a yeah, steam sale it's on sale constantly. add it on your wish list Pick a notification and get an email saying, hey, it's a dollar. Pick it up. Grab it, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth your time. Um, let's talk about what we're going to be playing next. Uh, we are rushing towards our end-of-the-year extravaganza. If you were with us last year, we did a series of episodes that were uh, kind of a holiday celebration episodes where we did our rankings. We did just a bunch of fun stuff. But we have one more game before we hit our end-of-season. Our season finale, if yes, you will. Yes, because we run seasons here. Um, before we end season two with our holiday extravaganza, we got one more game to play. Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Now, if you were with us early on, if, if you're, you're if you've been with us since the beginning, if you're an OG State of the Save listener, you remember early on. I think the third game. Our one and only forever four parter. Yes, I think it was the second game we did actually. Third because we did a one shot of um, observation. observation. We did Alan Wake observation and then we did this one. The four part epic of We Metal did Metal Gear Solid, Solid 3. Now we decided to play the Metal Gear series in timeline order, not in series release order. Now we are skipping Metal Gear Solid 5 for a couple of reasons. One is Metal Gear Solid 5 is not finished. Um, also, Metal Gear Solid Five is an extremely long game with not a lot of content that actually plays into the it, Metal Gear universe. You don't need you don't need it to no. have a satisfying arc. I have played out. through Metal Gear Solid Five. I'm sure we can. If anything pops up in it, we can talk about it. But Metal Gear Solid Three is where we decided to start off with. Um, it is the epic that broke a lot of listeners because <laughs> at first, me and Nick hated Metal Gear Solid Three. And then we came around to it. By the end, we were fans. Michael is a Metal Gear fan. We are going to do something unique here. We're not going to do our normal pre, you know, pre-game. Preamble. Yeah, our preamble on Metal Gear. The history of like Metal Gear Solid. Because Metal Gear Solid, for a lot of people who like Metal Gear Solid, is more like a personal history than it's like a full-on development history. We're going to do a special file corrupted edition episode that will lay the groundwork for this. So look for that in the coming week, I guess. I had the script written. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have that coming in a week. But we're going to be playing Metal Gear Solid, originally released on the PlayStation. I am going to be playing it with the original PlayStation controller. 
Yes, I am lending uh, Eric my PlayStation Classic. God help me. <laughs> um, no, no analog stick for you. No, no analog <laughs> for me. OG, OG PlayStation and controller. We also would be joined by order uh, some order some Pizza Hut. Yeah. and pretend like you're playing that demo disc on your classic PlayStation. <laughs> um, we'll also be joined by a uh, fellow host of the show, but been MIA a little bit, Nick. He'll be joining us for this game. If his, if his schedule holds right now, Nick will we'll be here. Nick on this show. <laughs> so it'll be a three-way uh, Metal Gear conversation. I do have some stuff to lay up front for Metal Gear Solid. Okay, go ahead. Okay, the first thing is there is a cutscene that plays... The first time you boot up the game before you get to the main menu. Do not skip that cutscene. It is very critical plot information, especially if you played Metal Gear Solid 3. Because it kind of catches it catches up where we are in the timeline right now. And you're going to... I'll tell you right now, I, I haven't listened to it yet because you haven't recorded it yet, Michael. But I imagine if you listen to the file corrupted that we're going to do next week. And then watch that cutscene. You'll probably have all the groundwork you need yeah. to be able to lead yourself into Metal Gear. And we're doing this because I think this is the most fun way of doing this project where we'll gain the best understanding of the Metal Gear universe, all leading to the grand finale of Metal Gear Solid 4. That's so, going to be it. That's going to be an epic. We have to see if we how we can all play Metal Gear Solid 4. Probably season 4 when we <laughs> do that. But I digress. The next thing is before you hit new game, I would recommend going to an option on the menu called briefing because that kind of sets up the mission that we are going on. It's very reminiscent of the scene from escape. Well, a lot of this game is pretty reminiscent of the movie escape from New York, but it's very reminiscent of like when uh, snake Plissken gets the lowdown of the mission as well as some elements that is going to come into play later. I highly recommend uh, watching at least one of those briefings. There's a whole bunch. You can, there's a whole rabbit hole you can go down, but a lot of that information is also given to you in game. It's there if you need it. Watch the first. Watch watch one or two when when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I get what's going on here. Then it's it, going to lay down the the information that Snake would have received before he starts the operation. Exactly. Um, what's the point we're playing up to? There is a boss fight. With someone called Sniper Wolf. Yes. You're going to do the boss fight. And you're going to go to the next room. Okay. When you have control again, save. So I imagine in the next room we'll have a cutscene. It's a Metal Gear game. And then we'll... You are not going to have direct control of your character. When you have direct control of your character... Then save. Save. Um, let's also remind everybody, uh, this is... A game where there's going to be some PlayStation-ass PlayStation stuff. Oh, yes. So uh, I think, Michael, you were nice enough to send the uh, manual mm. that from archive.org um, in the Discord. I will try to add that to the show notes on the File Corrupted episode. The manual is just as important to the world yes. as everything else in the game. The way they use the manual is yes, incredible. But, but it's... You feel like, I feel like I'm, you'll be missing a piece of the game if you don't have the manual with well, you. I will add that to not this episode's notes, but next episode's show notes. So when you listen to the file corrupted on Metal Gear Solid 3, catch up, I guess we'll call it, um, we will have the manual in that show notes. And then I can add it again on the Metal Gear Solid Part 1. 
just so you have it. But that would be something necessary. Uh, not n- necessary. Let's just say necessary. Yeah. We don't want to spoil too much. This is going to be a hell of a ride. I'm God very... knows how this goes without analog sticks. I, <laughs> <laughs> I played this game again a few years ago and had a blast. Also, if you don't have a PlayStation but have $100 in a GameCube, you can, you can technically play along with this Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. Because the story is the same except the cutscenes go full anime. But the script is mostly the same, but the voice acting is different. So you can technically play that. Just know that when we discuss gameplay stuff, that's going to be a little bit different. Or you can play that on Dolphin. If you, if you if you rip a copy if you wink wink rip a co- a legitimate copy of your own copy of uh Arg, your, your own legitimate copy of Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. we be selling the seeds. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's just one last thing. With Warhammer pissed off the with the games workshop kid pissed off the entire Warhammer subreddit. <laughs> it was just people being like, Arg, the the seas be called <laughs> and posting where they can 3D print models. <laughs> And my favorite thing was, yeah, it was from weeks. Every single post just was like, every two people were talking about the post, and then a bunch of people were talking about pirates. And it was just like, I never thought of the day you could illegally download models. Oh, 3D printing, yeah. And then, like, the sad thing is, some of those 3D printing models are so much better. Oh, no. Like, it's so much nicer, and the poses are so much better. But I digress. We won't get into... One day, I would do my Warhammer show. One day, I would do when my professional release, wrestling When they show. release a remaster of Space Marine, you can... Pro- it's probably a good idea to go ahead and buy Space Marine, because we're going to be talking about that at some point. I will force that upon all of us. And God help you all. I will come <laughs> in with books as references... I would be referencing particular codecs. I will refer to everyone specifically by what company they served in and what wars they participated in. I would drop... good. We will start at the Horse Heresy and move forward. Uh, By digress. Here's here's part five of Space Marine. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't even got to the game yet. Eric's still explaining what happened in the War of the Beast. Um, Nah, but as always, guys, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, stay to save at gmail.com is your place to send your emails at state of the save on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Um, as always, send in your comments. We'd love to hear from you what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. Uh, we are in the planning stages of the end of the season, end of the year extravaganza. If you have something you would like to put, like something you want to see in that end of the year extravaganza, maybe now's the time to do it before we have all the plans. Because boy, don't be sending that me, don't be sending me an email with ideas like the day before we record. Because it's too late now. I've already got shit lined up. But it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. As always, uh, stay safe out there. Thank you guys for listening.